And that, ladies and gentlemen, the Pointed Sticks, who, as you know, are uh, back together again. They've been together for a few years, and their new album should be out, but uh, that goes back several decades ago. Apologies from the Pointed Sticks when they were signed to Bomp Records. Came out on uh, on the Bomp Vox. Well, I guess Vox wasn't even a label back then, but Bomp sure was. Uh, the Pointed Sticks. Before that, the Sister Lovers, or maybe just Sister Lovers, featuring Mark Kleiner who uh, will hopefully be coming back to Vancouver sometime in the very new year future. Paula, stop pretending. Off of their four-song, seven-inch EP from the Sister Lovers, The Breakaways, featuring Peter Case, uh, before he formed the Plimsolls. Even though the Plimsolls did that song, one-way ticket, The Breakaways did it first. Early power pop out of Los Angeles from the... uh, very, very, I want to say early 80s, but I'm going back to the late 70s for the breakaways. And the 3 o'clock, now that came out from the, the early 80s, 1982. The 3 o'clock covering the Easy Beats, Sorry, and the Zeros doing Beat Your Heart Out. We heard from Pleasure Suit, as well as Pretty Vanilla. First two bands starting off the set. A few more minutes left of Rumble Tone Radio at GoGo. Then the Arts Report takes over the CITR airwaves in just a few short minutes. So uh, the B-Lines have been traveling around uh, the country playing different shows. But they are coming back to Vancouver. And they are playing the Astoria on Saturday the 18th. That's this Saturday with very special guests, the New Values and Famines. So let's hear a track, probably two, from the B-Lines, because they're so, so short songs. And uh, then the Arts Report coming up. Thanks for listening to Rumbletone Radio Go-Go here on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. The podcast for checking out this show and many of the other great shows that you can be, that can be found at this particular station. Go to CITR.ca, listen live, download, do whatever you need to do, listen to it whenever you want, wherever you want. It's available to you. So you can get it static-free via... The World Wide Web, CITR.ca. Thanks very much. Well, hang on. Before we uh, we get into the beelines, take a listen to this, and then uh, I'll be right back. I got a letter from old George W. It said, son, I hate to trouble you, but this war of mine is going bad. Mission Folk Music Festival. Worldwide music. Small Town Heart. This year featuring folk legend Tom Paxton. Tenores de Nianelli from Sardinia. Switzerland's Stimhorn, singer Ivor from the Faroe Islands, T-Nile, and more. A one-hour escape from Vancouver, the festival is located at Fraser River Heritage Park. Come enjoy the festival from July 24th to July 26th. More information at www.missionfolkmusicfestival.ca. You pulled me from the dancing Basha Bulat and Theatre Under the Stars will be featured on this afternoon's Arts Report here on CITR. Tracy will be taking over the controls here in just a few short minutes. I'll leave you with two short numbers from the Beelines, who are celebrating their record release show at the Astoria this Saturday with their very special guests, Famines and the New Values. All right. Thanks again for tuning on in. And uh, you know what? I'll be back next Wednesday. The Beelines.
WITR podcast update number one. Work has begun on Canada's information highway. That's the state-of-the-art network that we're told will change everything from the way we do business to the way we learn. Without getting too technical, tell me how what you're working on is different from what's available to me right now. So right now, if you want to listen to your favorite CITR program, you need to be listening it to it on your radio live or streaming over the Internet live. But with CITR podcasts, you'll be able to download your favorite show and listen to it whenever you want on your computer or on your MP3 player. I'm just thinking about that. I know. It, it's pretty rad. For more information, visit citr.ca slash podcast. Thank you for listening, and please... Sweetheart attempts the huntress, let the girls go insane as we lay down our weapons and sure enough, we are slain by that stuff. Come check out Vancouver's very own destroyer playing Friday, July 17th. Hosted at the Biltmore, located at 395 Kingsway, the Shilohs and Attic Sellers join Destroyer for an evening of acoustic ear candy. Doors beckon at 8, tickets available at Redcat, Zulu, High Life and online at ticketweb.ca. Come join our hometown troubadour Destroyer, Friday, July 17th. You in white and me in Gregor well tonight. So let's linger here. This used to be my favorite palm tree. I was starving in that shit house the world. Hey there, how's it going? It's another beautiful, beautiful day. I can hardly believe that we're living in Vancouver these days, but um, I'm not complaining. I hope none of you out there are either. Um, This is Tracy Fuller, and this is The Arts Report. I am Tracy Fuller, and this is The Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. I've tried to pack together a great, big, fantastic, wonderful show for you again, as always. And hopefully I'm going to deliver, along with some music. Because, well, there's a lot of things going on around town these days, and uh, so... I'm hopefully going to touch on a bunch of them. Uh, Coming up on the show, first off, I've got an interview with Basha Bulat, who will be visiting Vancouver for the Folk Festival, which is on this weekend. I speak to Mike... Mike Petkow, who is um, a producer behind an amazing new disc called The Record of the Week Club, which I'm super excited about, so uh, we'll get to that a little later. I also spoke with James Cronk, who is the president of the Theatre Under the Stars Society, so an interview with him a little later, and much, much more. We may even get Jordy, the uh, editor of the Discorder, in here for that. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good show. But let's get to it now, shall we? Um, So the Vancouver Folk Music Festival is on in Jericho Park this weekend. It's the 32nd annual folk festival here in Vancouver. It's 17th, 18th, 19th, and there are so many people coming. 60, more than 60 artists from 14 different countries, seven daytime stages. There's places for kids to run around. We are going to be having a live broadcasting tent at the folk festival on Saturday morning with Steve Edge, our very own folk um, haven, maven, king, whatever you want to call him. And uh, he'll be talking to a whole bunch of artists live, and we'll have some feedback from the night before when the Weaker Thans are playing, along with Iron and Wine and Arrested Development. So it's going to be a crazy weekend. CITR is all over the Folk Festival this year. So if you are out there and you happen to spot any of us, say hi. We would love to meet you. It's always great to um, to get in touch with those people out there who uh, 
who tune in and who are dedicated listeners to the station and who love folk just as much as a lot of us here do. So yeah, that's totally a, an aside. But yes, the Vancouver Folk Music Festival is on this weekend. And one of the artists, I had um, Dan Mangan on the show last week, and he spoke a little bit about his upcoming disc. But I also got in touch with Basha Bulat, who many of you may have known was... Uh, nominated for a Poli- the Polaris Music Prize that was last year. Anyways, uh, she's swinging into town with her folk music and a lot of other wonderful guests. She's going to be playing on a couple of the workshop stages along with Dan Mangan and a bunch of others, including Great Lake Swimmers. And uh, yeah, so I was fortunate enough to get in touch with her. This was last week, and I recorded our conversation. It's a little different from my usual interviews, but I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Here's Basha Bulat. Hello. Hi. Is this Hi. Basha? Yes, it is. Oh, wonderful. I thought I was calling the wrong number. This is Tracy out in um, Vancouver. Oh, hi. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> and you're coming, heading out here to Vancouver for the 2009 Folk Festival. Are you excited? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And where would you say, if, if someone were to say, where are your folk from, Basha? Where, how would you re- respond to that question? What do you mean? Like where, where you're am I from Ontario? <laughs> I mean, like your your folk or like um, your your family, your extended family, oh, cousins, etc. Folk music. Oh. Um, well, I'm from Ontario. <laughs> um, I've lived pretty much in a bunch of different cities. I'm kind of living living a nomadic life, actually. So perhaps the road is the only thing you can really I can really uh, truthfully say is where I'm from. Right. Now, right least. now, <laughs> did you have you always gone to folk festivals? Like when you were a kid, did your parents take you out to events like this? Um, no. To be honest with you, um, growing up as a kid, I listened more to like Motown or hmm. kind of music from the '60s and '70s, stacks and sort of the anything that got played on the local oldies station, I guess you could say, and then kind of got into rock music but um like growing up when i was younger but also i mean i I was growing up as a kid in toronto so the folk community is not necessarily there weren't at least when i was growing up i wasn't aware of any folk festivals like mariposa that were happening at the time it just wasn't something that i had grown up with um as a kid i kind of got into folk music a little later when i was a little bit older Hmm. so when was did you did you go to was there like a seminal first folk experience that you had or did it just sort of eep in and bits and pieces into your I don't know, your listening repertoire and then suddenly when you started to play like where did your folk sound folky sound come from? Um, well it's kinda hard to say. <laughs> uh, it's really not I mean, to be to be honest with you, really my interest in all music, not just folk music, comes from you know, you start first by listening to whatever's present and happening around you at the time, especially growing up as a teenager. Um, and then you kinda look backwards to what influenced their music, what influenced that music before them, et cetera, et cetera. And so eventually you get down to folk and gospel and blues, um, and that's kind of where everything got started. <laughs> so that's pretty much, it was just like a little bit of here and there kind of path of discovery. My favorite music is, is as I said, pretty much anything that came out on Motown or Stax is probably mm-hmm. my favorite. Um, and so going back from that, there's all sorts of great um, sort of, godfathers and godmothers to that music for sure right 
So is there anyone you're looking forward to specifically at this folk festival, at Vancouver's Folk Festival? I know Mavis Staples is oh, going to yes, be there. Mavis and... Staples. I'm very, very excited <laughs> to see Mavis Staples perform. I've never seen her sing uh, in person, so I'm very excited to see her in concert. Um, great League Swimmers, Iron and Wine. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of great acts. It's gonna, I think it's going to be really, really fun. Definitely. And it looks like you're you're on the bill to do a lot of interesting um, group shows with uh, Dan Mangan and a bunch of other people in the afternoon on the afternoon stations. Is that something that you uh, really look forward to at these kind of festivals where artists get to hang out and maybe uh, invent new sounds together and talk about the way that they do things? Well, yeah, definitely the workshops are kind of actually one of the best parts about these festivals and it's something that you get to meet people that you've never met before. Sometimes you're playing the first time together on stage is the first time you're meeting somebody and there's something exciting about that. Um, and certainly some of my best memories from folk festivals come from those experiences, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I just recently did um, a workshop with Guy Davis and Buffy St. Marie and Royal Wood. Cool. That's probably one of my uh, <laughs> one of my favorite musical memories, at least. It's, very, it's a very recent one, but it was really fantastic to just be able to kind of see how everybody's songs actually work Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and to be able to play with everyone and and to get to interact in that way and just kind of build a community even even the people who are coming to watch I mean they get to participate and so it's it's actually really special awesome so let's say that you could uh, get up there on stage at the Vancouver Folk Festival and do uh, a song together with any of either the the presenters that are going to be there or other like folk legends alive or present. Who would you love to do a song together with? Um, well, I'm not sure if it would be rocking it specifically, but definitely Odetta mm. is pretty much my favorite. I actually got to see her perform last fall and that was amazing and it's very sad that she's no longer with us but she's definitely one of my favorites and it would it would have been a dream to be able to uh, sing with her but as it was I got to meet her and that was really great and to be able to get to see her sing mm-hmm. was fantastic but if I could if there were some way to go back in a time machine and do that somehow I would for sure cool very cool um, I'm wondering whether uh, there's, there seems to be something special about, I, I, and I don't know whether it's just folk music or the people who listen to folk or the, the nature of folk festivals, but it's just uh, when there's a mix of both spoken word and a lot of different uh, international acts and then a lot of Canadian acts coming together, is there, is there something special about these summer festivals that are outdoors and just that make them diff- a different experience for both performers and audience members that just makes them very unique? I'm thinking specifically of, like, the Winnipeg Folk Festival is so well-known, as well as um, Mariposa and, and the Vancouver Folk Festival as well. Yeah, well, I think that a big difference as well is between folk festivals specifically and, say, um, a lot of the other kind of summer music festivals you see happening going on. It's probably the commercial aspect. I feel that there's the folk festivals are significantly less commercial. They're not necessarily, um, even if they are sponsored by a particular company, it's not like, for example, there's always constantly advertising in your face and things mm-hmm. like that. I think it's much more actually about the music and, and um, just the sort of group interaction that you get from things like songwriter circles or workshops where people get to meet each other. And I think the fact that for example, at the Vancouver Folk Festival, you've got, you know, the Whalers coming in, mm-hmm. and you've got Mavis Staples, and you've got Iron and Wine, or you have someone like myself, 
um, it's, it's really, really diverse, and so it's really um, just looking to people to, to, who want to listen to or play really truthful and honest music, and, and I, think it's, I think that's kind of the main unifier, which is really, it is special. It mm. is great. And for you as an artist, do you come away from these experiences feeling, I don't know, like, have you ever walked away from a festival and have a new song sort of brimming in your head? Like, I'm sure that they're inspirational, but I mean, I know as a concert goer, I go home and I'm like, ah, that was awesome. But as someone who creates the art and then will hopefully be back next year and many years to come, does this help you in your process or help you? How do you leave a festival? Well, definitely going to any of these group kind of gatherings and anything like that where you get to meet a whole bunch of other musicians and you're playing together, it's definitely inspiring. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not necessarily to say that, you know, the day the festival ends, I have a whole record in my head, but (laughs) it's definitely something that, you know, comes back all the time, you know, different memories or different ideas. Just the fact that you get to play with people whose styles are different from your own, Mm -hmm. whose patterns of thought are different from your own, and whose, you know, inspirations and influences are different from your own. It it influences you and inspires you in turn. And so I think really it's just, you know, all of that combined. It's kind of hard to say all the time one song was significantly or definitely you know, referring to a particular event or a moment. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to tell where a song comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely is, uh, it's all part of the process for sure. Definitely. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to speak with me today. And uh, yeah, I hope I'm not too boring. I feel like it's just early for me for some reason. No. I feel like I, I hope you can edit out the parts where I sound like an idiot. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I, it, I'll edit it down. Don't worry. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no worries. No worries at all. Okay, cool. Well, okay. thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Yeah, you guys were always the cool radio station with the, like, fun magazine and everything. That's the, right, the Discorder. Delicious we had, yeah. <laughs> we always wanted a magazine like that back in the day. Yeah. yeah. My campus radio roots go deep. Nice. So, yeah. Well, I mean... Be able to talk to you guys. Yeah, we're we were really super excited, and we just actually reformatted the the Discorder, so it's now in this new cool zine size, and we're really oh, excited about it. Yeah. yeah, that was always the cool thing when it came into the station. We're always like, oh man, this is so cool. <laughs> How do we get this going? And it's it's really cool that it's all like we didn't sponsor it and everything. Yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. Really fun. So, uh, yeah, that was my unconventional interview with uh, Basha Bulat. And I really, I called her incredibly early in the morning here, but not too early in the morning Toronto time. So don't get the impression that I was speaking to her at 5 a.m. But um, she's super sweet and was super concerned that I had, uh, that she had sounded awful. But I think that was actually a fun interview. Uh, I don't know about you out there. But, um I guess what I should do right now is give away some of these tickets because I have tickets to give away to the Vancouver Folk Festival. Yes, tickets for day tickets. I have ones for Saturday and Sunday here. Yep. Um, Yep. Saturday and Sunday. So for the next two callers, whoever calls in, um, I've got tickets to give away to you. So give me a call here. It's at CITR. It's 604-822-CITR. That's 2487. Sorry. And um, yeah, I'm going to put on some Basha and I'll answer your calls. Thanks for for listening. Talk to you soon. As soon as I get off the air. (laughs) 
Hey there. Um, I was about to put on a PSA, but um, but I've decided not to. But congratulations to Michelle Thompson and to Chris Fletcher, who called in and have tickets to this weekend's folk festival. I will be giving another set away before the end of the show, so stay tuned. I am now going to put on a um, PSA, and I'll be back shortly. Enjoy on CITR 101.9 FM. Last night, I left the bar. I was thirsty, and I don't drink wine. I was desperate. I needed blood. I turned to the only place I could. The only place that could possibly help me. Hello, I need some blood. A, positive or negative, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry, we're all out of A, positive and negative. Would you like some O instead? No, no, that won't do. Thank you, good night. Save me. Save yourself. Give blood voluntarily. This message was brought to you courtesy of the Canadian Blood Services and CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Hey, welcome back to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. It's about 20 after 5. And I've asked Jordi Yao, the editor of Discorder, to come join me. Because I, if you were paying attention to the, the last interview with Basha Bulat, she did talk up Discorder quite a bit. Were you listening, Jordi? No, no I was in a meeting. That's why I couldn't be on the air earlier. Right, right. Fine. Okay. Okay. Well, I also made it a was station. Impo- it was a Discord meeting. Well, you know that is important. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not knocking that. But um, I, he, I've clipped some of Basha's wonderful comments about Discorder to to be part of a station ID, so people will be hearing her talk about you guys all the time. But because you missed it, here it is. Yeah, you guys were always the cool radio station with the, like, fun magazine and everything. That's and right, Discorder. The we had. Yeah. <laughs> we always wanted a magazine like that back in the day. Yeah. yeah. My campus radio roots go deep. We just actually reformatted the, the Discorder, so it's now in this new cool zine size, and we're really oh, excited about it. Yeah. yeah, that was always the cool thing when it came into the station. We're always like, oh man, this is so cool. <laughs> How do we get this going? And it's, it's really cool that it's all like, we didn't sponsor it and everything. Yeah. It's fun. It's yeah. Really fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You're fun. I am fun. <laughs> Way to go. That's and now you're, you're small and fun. Um, is zine worthy? I could say it's zine sized. How would you yeah, describe it's, it? It's the same size as most magazines. It's just eight and a half by eleven. Right. Yeah. So it's no longer newspaper sized. It's no longer newspaper sized. We really have more in common with magazines. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I asked you to join us today, uh, apart from the fact that Discord is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, is because the Polaris Music Prize was ar- announced last week. Such. Boring nominees. Well, I noticed this on uh, your Facebook blog, um, feed, I guess yeah. you call it. Um, and I, I tend to agree, but I, I would like your opinion because I don't consider myself a... Well, okay. There's this guy, a friend of a friend who I'm not going to name because I don't want to get him in trouble. Um, but he, he works for some people who could get in trouble for it. <laughs> um, but he... what. He, like, after it was announced, he wrote a little note that just said, 
Well, it's a good thing uh, they can. They made so many posters last year because now they can just reuse them. Because mm. there's like so many nominees that are just like it's just the same bands that like there was some the long list was so good and yeah the short list was so boring yeah i was surprised <laughs> well i i thought there were a lack of bc bands on the long list but in general there were still some bc bands. yeah on the long bison list. bc was but on there, the... there were very there were no bc bands on the short list no none at all and we've got here the 10 nominees for those of you who, out there who haven't looked at it it's elliot brood with mountain meadows fucked up with the chemistry of common life Great Lake Swimmers, Hey Rosetta, Kanon, Malajou, Metric, Joel Plaskett, and Chad Van Galen. Oh, Chad Van Galen and Patrick Watson. Yes. Many of whom have actually been nominated before. In fact, let's see, who hasn't been? I don't think Hey Rosetta has. No, Chad uh, Van Fucked Galen. Up hasn't. Chad Van Galen was nominated before. Really? Although, I, that, I, th- I hope that one wins. That's actually still a really good yeah. album. That one totally deserves it for being <laughs> nominated. Um there's t- Elliot Brood hasn't been nominated, but it's not their no, first album. No, that's have they not been nominated? Okay, I, I don't yeah. think so. And then, uh, who was Kanon was nominated before? I think so for his first album. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, I know. But it I, does, I, most of them were nominated before. It like, feels like a very safe album, and I know that's what a lot of I, album a very safe list, and I know that's what a lot of people have been saying, but. What do you think? I uh, it is a very safe list. I've even like I read um, just some analysis of like people who were picking no- like their choices for nominees, and they saw the long list or th- they saw the short list. Like um, Carl Wilson from who writes Zoilus, mm-hmm. and um, I think it was I Heart Music. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys they were saying that well, like I think between the two of them, um, one of the bands that they picked hmm. was uh, made the made the long list. Oh. So I I don't know. And the long list, the only other trend that I can notice in the long or sorry, I keep saying long list. I mean short list. Short list. The only other trend I can notice in the short list is um, that there are five Toronto bands in it. Mm-hmm. And um, well, don't the- get me wrong, some of those bands are very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I and I don't think that they're all better than. The other bands that were mm-hmm. on the long list, though, I think, and I don't know. It'd be interesting but, to see the demographics of the judges. Yes, um, but uh, the, speaking of demographics, I'm really pissed off, and I mentioned this last week, that it's so it's all again so many men, and all the Polaris Music Prizes so far have been won by men. That's true. And the representation here is m- metric, metric. And that's it. Yeah. Um, there are so many talented female Canadian artists thought, out there. I, I thought Coeur de Poirette had a pretty good chance yeah. at this, but um, I may not be pronouncing that correctly, but that's mm-hmm. that's really good female artist who yeah. would have been nominated. Anyways, yeah. I just think it's a disappointment, especially, and but it's it's hard to say because this is the, the Polaris is supposed to recognize creative or artistic merit mm-hmm. versus record sales, etc. But... Artistic merit is entirely subjective, and it, it 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 would be helpful to see who the people were who are voting on this list. Yeah, I mean, I, I there's a few who've like self-identified, but I don't think there's any list that's gone out. That, it's not public. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know. Maybe we should ask. I, I think so. I think that accountability is required in this sort of when you're talking about twenty thousand dollars, which is no small chunk of change, mm-hmm. especially when when it's uh, a recession. Well, who funds it? Rogers, I I think it, no Sirius Satellite Radio. Well, if Sirius is funding it, I guess they get to run it however they want. I guess it's not like they're using public money. 
No, but still, the the yeah. whole idea behind it. Yeah, I mean, to, the, based on to preserve the the yeah. accountability of the the reputation of the award itself, mm-hmm. I think it would probably be a, a very beneficial thing to uh, publish the the judges. Just to, we don't need like their addresses, but it's like. <laughs> Who they are. Yeah, like, and where they, they are. Like, why they're important. Like, yeah, and if it's supposed to be a pan-Canadian um, yeah, group, let's see if, if 80% of, yeah. or 50% are in Toronto, that might explain why 50% of the bands chosen are from Toronto, etc. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I hope that people are looking at this and thinking about this and talking about this as well, because I, I do think that when the Polaris came out, I was really excited to have this kind of award that w- that would recognize mm-hmm. bands that aren't otherwise recognized. I think up until this point, it's done really well. Yeah. This is the first big miss. Well, I don't even know if it was necessary. I don't know if they... It was probably not like a whole bunch of judges getting together and being like, all right, we're going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably... Um, the way they picked the judges that just sort of ended up um, this way. And I don't know whether that, maybe they picked, maybe they picked judges in a way that we would totally approve of. And it's just, yeah, yeah but it'd be nice to know how they pick the judges yeah. and, and how they come to the decisions that they do. Mm-hmm. Anyways, on that note, I figure I might as well play a, a track from Chad Van Galen because we should win the Polaris press <laughs> because it seems to be uh, someone's favorite out of the shortlist nominees. Uh, so, Hmm. Any suggestions, Jordy? Um, do you have a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle mask? Uh, I don't think or, that's on here. Or uh, Cries of the Dead? That's a good yes, one. Yes, Cries, Cries of the, the Dead. dead. Yep. All right, this is Cries of the Dead on CITR 101.9 FM on the Arts Report. It's coming. Hold on. Oh. There you go. Here in time, we 
AMS Mini School seeks to provide students and the community an opportunity to learn outside the classroom. Our courses are taught by professional instructors and delivered at the best rates around, starting at $45. Check this out. We provide a diverse array of courses, including, but not limited to, pole dancing, photography, guitar, swing dancing, wine tasting, and much, much more. Courses begin in October, February, and May, and typically run for four to six weeks. Check out www.ams.bc.ca slash minischool for registration information. Welcome back to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. My name is Tracy Fuller and I'm glad you've joined me again. Um, so I've, I've, I always have too much stuff for you guys out there. Um, but there's two things that I absolutely must get to this week. Um, first off, uh, is it's the season, like, just look out your window right now. It's gorgeous out. And so it's the season to be attending outdoor arts events, whether it's Bart on the Beach or the Folk Festival or the Illuminaris Lantern Festival, which is coming up, or Andre Fortier's Library Square Dance Performance. There's so much going on around the city that's outside and you can enjoy the art while you're enjoying the beautiful weather. And that definitely includes one of Vancouver's oldest outdoor theater festivals, the Theater Under the Stars, which opened in Stanley Park last night. Last night, people. James Cronk is the president of the Theater Under the Stars board of directors, and he's also currently the acting general manager of the company, and I spoke with him earlier today, so here's a little bit of our conversation about Theatre Under the Stars. Theatre Under the Stars is almost 70 years old. You bet. That's an incredible history. It is an incredible history, and, and an amazing history when you consider all the trials and tribulations and things that have have gone on uh, over the years, you know, but the Malcolm Bowl itself is about uh, almost 75 years old, and, <laughs> and uh, this is our, our 63rd season. Wow. Uh, we've, uh, we've stopped, uh, we've, we've missed a couple years for various different uh, events. There was a fire, of course, and, mm-hmm. and uh, in the 80s, the early 80s, and, and uh, we didn't do a season three years ago, um, you know, for financial reasons. And, <laughs> but that being said, we've survived and continue to survive and, uh, and prosper, and uh, continue for another 65 hopefully let's hope so mm-hmm. yeah i when it all got kicked off it did start off immediately with uh, musical type operetta themed plays etc and you've kept going with the musical theme why why musicals rather than any other kinds of plays or performances well that's a great uh, it's a great question number one and number two i think it is a great aspect of doing what you do you know knowing mm-hmm. what you do and what you're about, you know, and, and um, we, uh, 
the the mandate, uh, not not maybe not in the very very beginning. The very beginning was a, it was a, a bowl, you know, a, right. a grandstand bandstand, uh, but and it did you know m- uh, marching and music and religious music at the time because that was what was allowed at that point mm-hmm. in time. But as as theater and the stars started uh, as a society, it was to present uh, musical theater and. Uh, and it's maintained that, and I think that that's one of the things that creates the history and the charm about what it's all about. We we believe our mandate is to provide, um, you know, family musical theater, mm-hmm. and uh, you're not going to see us venture into something that is uh, dramatically or drastically different from that. No, and I think the family aspect of what Theatre Under the Stars does is also a wonderful thing to be able to bring people young and old and across generations and across cultures and every economic structure as well to bring them out for a night in the park at the theatre. It's just, it's such a wonderful idea and it's so nice that it, it has continued to go. Exactly, and I think that, you know, for those people that have been to Theatre Under the Stars and have have experienced it. There, I can't tell you how many people uh, comment about that. That uh, that's something that you can bring your five-year-old and your ninety-five-year-old, uh, and and everyone in between is going to have you know an, an enjoyable time with it all. And and that you're never going to be see anything that's going to be offensive. You know, hopefully, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're never going to see anything that's uh, <clears throat> you know that that's not going to be uh, enjoyable from a family aspect. And I think it creates more just an experience of people. It's like any kind of really uh, positive social interaction and culture. You know, there's a, there's a reason why those things survive 63 years. It's because uh, it, it gives people some value and enjoyment in doing it. No matter what the show is, no matter what the play are, is each year, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really about the experience of coming to Stanley Park and sitting under the stars of Malcolm Bull. Absolutely. And the, speaking of the shows, I mean, you've chosen two very different shows like Annie goes way back as a a musical that's been around for quite some time and then having Thoroughly Modern Millie which sort of stormed Broadway Mm -hmm. why did you choose these two specific plays for this season? Um, Well it's it's uh Actually, you know, the, the 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 cool thing about them is that they are somewhat similar. We believe very much mm-hmm. in in the relevance of both the plays. Thoroughly mm-hmm. Modern Millie is set in New York in the in the 1920s um, when things were prosperous and uh, and uh, people were out. Uh, you know, Millie comes to, from a small town to uh, New York to uh, to find a, a husband, pretty mm-hmm. much to get hired by a husband. Uh-huh. Is the, the theme. Of course, we all know that love rules all at the end. But uh, and then Annie, of course, is set just a few years after that, after the depression yeah. and the economic meltdown. And 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 is you know, both, but both shows are really about hope. Mm-hmm. They're about uh, overcoming adversity, and they're also about an eco- interesting economic time, which is not that dramatically different than what we you know, somewhat are maybe experiencing in the world today. Obviously. That's exactly what I was saying to my roommate earlier today. I said that Annie is such the suitable play to be seeing this summer because it is set right at sort of the precipice of the Depression and talking about kids and, and what better for a kid's audience. And it's a hard knock life for us. So many wonderful songs have come out of that musical. And the sun will come out tomorrow, you know, yeah. and we'll, we'll get through it and things will... Uh, Things will continue, and we'll be back to uh, you know to all all good. And, and also, you know, one of the great things about it is that there's great messages in both the plays, uh, as musical theater often provides. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a it's a it's a, a tool for uh, obviously uh, messaging, and and uh, both shows have great positive messages in today.
Absolutely. Now, the, my last question is actually tied to what we've been speaking about. You mentioned a couple of years ago, due to financial reasons, the Theatre Under the Stars didn't have a season. Are you have, do you have any concerns about this season or future seasons as a result of the recession, quote-unquote, these days? Well, you know, it's, it, we always have concerns, and, it, and it's, it's, uh, it's really not so much about the recession as much as it's just about the fact that we're a you know, semi-professional theatre company uh, that is outdoors in a yeah. city like Vancouver. Uh, you know, that gets its fair share of weather. And mm -hmm. so, um, and also the, the thing about Theater in the Stars is that 90% of our revenue is from ticket sales. Right. Which is very positive on mm -hmm. one hand, um, but we have a long way to go to developing corporate support and mm -hmm. other types of support. And so that's our new mandate is, uh, is to kind of uh, embark on trying to... Um, create a greater awareness of really what Tuts is about. And, and really, our, our, what we believe Tuts is all about is about mentoring young people. Definitely. Um, you know, many of the stars of today in certainly Vancouver Theatre at one point have been on the Tuts stage. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, the lead for Millie, you know, just came back from Broadway. So uh -huh. she's a great example of someone that started at Tuts when she was 17 and, and has gone to Amazing Heights, and here she is back again starring on our production. So... Um, we need to get the message out mm -hmm. uh, more effectively, right. and I think if we're able to do that, then we'll continue to kind of grow the the support that we currently have and 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 uh, keep us viable year round and year round. But any any amateur, any professional, semi professional amateur theater company, uh, you know, struggles. You know, there's only a couple that. Uh, are you know look at the challenges happening with ballet bc and absolutely you know there's nothing that says that uh, things are not going to uh, be difficult in the future no but let's hope that with such a history there'll be many years ahead and i firmly believe that when you are building the people in our cultural setting here in vancouver by adding so many talented people and building on those talents that it's it's much easier for people to latch on to and hopefully for corporate sponsors and for other people to latch on to Tuts and show their support either by attending or by sponsoring in other ways. Yeah, exactly. And and Theater Malcolm Bull and Theater on the Stars is is one of those kind of or it's a bit of a hidden treasure. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that just aren't aware of it and and uh and considering the fact that we've been around for so long and that's that's part of the job of getting the message out and getting the marketing out and, and doing all those other types of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I hope that we've done a little bit of that today. I appreciate uh, that, Tracy. Thank no, you. James, thank you so much for being on the show today and for uh, speaking with me. My pleasure. Theatre Under the Stars happens nightly in the Malkin Bowl in Stanley Park. It runs July 10th to August 22nd, and Annie and Thoroughly Modern Millie are alternating every night at 8 p.m. I do. I have someone out there to see the opening of Thoroughly Modern Millie, Millie tonight, and I will have that review for you on the Friday Arts Update, so tune in between 5 and 6 right here on CITR 101.9 FM. What you're hearing in the background here is a, a track called Falling, and it's from a new disc coming out of Winnipeg that's called The Record of the Week Club. Now, this, it, this was an experiment, a musical experiment put together by um, Mike Peck, 
Kao, who is um, a a musician himself. Also, he also masters CDs and produces a lot. And last summer, he brought together musicians from diverse musical backgrounds from across Canada and some from the U.S. as well. And uh, they would come into his studio every Wednesday night and they wouldn't know who they were playing with and they didn't know what they would be playing. But together, in the MCM studios in Winnipeg, they would create a new amazing piece together. It would be recorded, arranged, rehearsed, um, and everything that evening, and then immediately mixed and uploaded and made available for download that same night. And all of the tracks are now compiled on a beautiful CD called The Record of the Week Club. And I had the very great pleasure of speaking to Mike Petkow earlier this week, and here is our conversation. and Ian LaRue, and I am a recording engineer who works, uh, runs a company called Head in the Sand Productions and various recording projects for bands and otherwise. One of which included the Record of the Week disc, which came out last month. And, um, well, I'm, I wanted to know how you came upon this idea. How... I'm Mike Petkow. Our own friends. I mean, there's so many people who are involved. That is friends doing classical about all my friends in month and um well i'm i wanted to know how you came upon this idea how, what inspired you to to make this project happen well i was thinking about all my friends in winnipeg who who do very different things um, like i've got a lot of friends like i've got friends doing classical friends doing jazz friends doing electro friends in rock bands friends in folk bands and and you know, while Winnipeg is a small city and a somewhat small scene that is, you know, that that people still know everyone, kind of thing. But it still felt like uh, there were still some kind of lines in the sand, or like you know, there were ways to kind of bring people together further and to kind of um, encourage a bit more kind of collaboration and kind of people meeting each other and trying new things. And so um, it came out of a desire to see at the root of it to see my friends do new stuff with new people that they had never met and then obviously it just kind of took off from there and right i started you know meeting new people and getting them involved so how did you get word out about the project i mean apart from your own friends i mean there's so many people who are involved in this disc in many different ways and uh it's i mean did you send out an email being like i'm just hoping that we can create a song every <laughs> wednesday um, I was I, I was a bit more organized than that. Um, <laughs> I set up a. I mean, I I sent out emails and Facebooks and MySpaces, whatever, to to pretty much everyone I knew. But then I also set up a an, an application form on the on the Record of the Week Club website as well, mm-hmm. and so that musicians could go to the site and then fill out their name and kind of what they'd done before, and so that I could you know obviously get introduced to a bunch of new people. Right. Um, and so I built each week as a you know I drew either from I would either tap people on the shoulder and say, hey, I'd like you to take part in this week, um, or I would look at all the people who had applied, and there were like, I don't know, almost 200. Wow. Um, Did uh, you expect to get that many responses? I figured I might get like 50 or 75 <laughs> or something. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and most of those were people I didn't know, too, right? right. So, which was great to kind of get get introduced to new people and, and 
and I get those balls rolling. Right. And, um, How did you go about deciding who would go which weekend with which other artists? Because, I mean, you've got throat singers on one week, and then you've got electronica with, like, Moses, Matt Mays and on other weeks, and so many different kinds of music. How did you sort of make the selection to bring certain people on certain weeks? Um, at the root of each week, I wanted to put people together who I thought would be able to find some common ground somewhere, right? Um, and so part of a prerequisite for me booking anyone for it was that they kind of already had shown an interest in, you know, obviously doing, working outside their normal comfort zones, right? Like there are a lot of people that just do one thing and that's what they do, um, and those weren't the people that I was interested in. So I was trying to find people that had already shown some willingness and tendencies to, to experiment a bit more. Um, but then also... Person, I, matching personalities was important mm -hmm. and just matching people like I'd always have one person who I figured would kind of take the lead and then you know so that or try to have like a stronger song, natural songwriter in the group or or have have someone who I figured would be able to at least provide the crux of, of what that we could need and then just kind of knew what each person did and figured you know things would just kind of follow suit so can, uh, let me take a step back for a moment. What's the timeline in all this? You put out the, the Facebooks and the MySpace and sent the emails when versus getting the disc out last month. Well, uh, all the recording production was done last summer. So mm -hmm. we started in at the end of May 2008 mm -hmm. and went for 16 straight weeks. Right. And, and that was every Wednesday. Yeah, every Wednesday. And so, um, so yeah, starting in like... March, April, May, I was starting to solicit people and kind of get organized. And um, and then even as the project was ongoing, like there were some weeks, like some weeks I didn't have booked until, you know, two weeks before or something. And, mm -hmm. and some um, weeks where certain artists couldn't show up. Yeah, exactly. And so I had a couple last-minute cancellations, and then you deal with that. And, mm -hmm. uh, Can you take me back to that first week? Like, what... <laughs> I, not knowing what was going to come out of it and what the next 16 weeks would be like, mm -hmm. what was what was your what were you feeling and what was the ambiance in your studio? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think everyone was a little nervous at first. I definitely was. Like mm -hmm. I spent the day kind of a little bit just well, here goes nothing. <laughs> 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 Hope this doesn't just you know suck serious ass. Right. So, um, but uh, kind of it. And it, it ended up going like how most sessions went in that we spent the first hour or so kind of getting to know each other, bandying some ideas around and kind of kind of starting to just, you know, you know, start the process of becoming comfortable in the space together. And then, um, I mean, I knew each of the guys, but from very different, you know, projects and right. experiences. And, and then, but then once we... You know, we had a first riff, and then we had, you know, things start to fall into place for mm -hmm. organizing this piece. And um, next thing you knew, we had a song. And, it's, it is really fascinating. There are a couple of um, YouTube clips on the site that show bits and pieces of the process before you get to the actual song. And seeing people work through that, and ha even the, the little write-ups that describe the process and the story behind each song. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that's the side of, of um, music making these days that people just don't really get a sense of what it's like to go into the studio and how people... Um, bring ideas, how ideas can erupt out of nowhere. I mean, yeah. did 
did you always just have someone come in with an idea, a strong idea to begin with, or was there... I, I actually tried to encourage blank slates coming, coming mm. in, and so that, I, you know, I didn't really... I, I tried to encourage people to, to not write lyrics beforehand right. um, or to not bring in, you know, half-finished songs or anything. We kind of we tried to encourage that, that, that first kernel of an idea, that first kind of gut instinct, that gut reaction, that that is what we would kind of celebrate and, and grab onto and, and, and go with. Um, and that was... So I tried to design it so that... Or, that our instincts would guide us, I suppose. Right. So is there one session out of all 16 that really sticks out in your mind as maybe not your favorite song in the end, but just one session where, I don't know, it just, it, you'll never forget the experience that you had? Um, let's see. So many of them are so, like, so powerful. and just kind of mm -hmm. came out of there going like, oh my God, that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> um... I mean, if I were to throw one in, just out of all of them, I don't know why I love Kiwetan Arctic. Yeah. I have no idea why I love that song <laughs> so much, but I can't stop listening to it. It's just, uh, I, I've heard Throat singing before, and I've, of course I've heard John K. Sampson mm -hmm. singing before, but I mean, just the idea that that whole song comes out, and any song that has Tuk Toyak Tuk in the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and I, I, I keep on wanting Veda Haley to hear it, because she's got the best song about Tektoyaktik. Oh, really? She's, yeah, oh, she's got a phenomenal... How about you? Is there one song that sticks out for you? I think that the one that grabs me the most is Come Forth, mm -hmm. um, it's with Matt Tapscott and Andrina Turan from Sheik Gamin, mm -hmm. and Matthew Schellenberg, who I play in the Liptonians with, and something magical happened that night... Uh, especially in Matt and, and Gina's lyrics and in their vocal delivery. And if the only Veda or Daniel Lanois or some of those musicians that are able to kind of reach beyond kind of this world with their voice and just kind of like speak to something very uh, primeval or very just subconsciously human or whatever it is yeah. very soulful um, very soulful uh i feel that in that song their voices just get there they're mm. just right there and they're in your ear and they're burrowing deep and i think that that song is one of the most powerful ones for me mm. as a result and that session as well like both when both matt and and Gina song like everyone else in the control room was just like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that That's was great. really cool. So, I mean, what kind of response have you gotten since the disc has gone out? Um, a lot of great feedback mm -hmm. and um, kind of starting to do more and more interviews coast to coast for campus radio, which mm -hmm. is awesome. The CBC has been playing the crap out of Kuwait and Arctic, which yeah. is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, yeah, lots of great reviews. And mm -hmm. so from... Uh, and and but I guess more importantly though is that I get a lot of feedback that people really love the idea and they love the the spirit of it and they you know they like really excited by by the concept and that like 
the raw creativity that kind of came out of this. And Absolutely. It seems like one of I was thinking about whether this was sort of a test of sorts to see w how creative these artists could be together, but in mm -hmm. the end it doesn't really it doesn't come across as um a stress-inducing test. It's more like I don't know, just planting a, a really ambitious and beautiful seed. Oh, thank you. No problem. I mean, it it really does bring a lot of um, a lot of voices from across the country together, as mm -hmm. well as like honing in on. I mean, there's no questioning the fact that N Winnipeg is an amazing musical mm -hmm. capital in Canada. I think so. It's just it's so interesting to to have the mosaic sort of formed with all these different voices of our country, just and bringing out a, a new voice through that. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Then mission accomplished. <laughs> so, I mean, have you, are you thinking about volume two? Um, yes, sort of. Um, I don't think it should be done the same way uh, again. Mm -hmm. I feel like this one session um, was, was a really incredible experience, and it was really great for um, kind of bringing people together in Winnipeg. But I also feel like if I am going to do it again, it's got to be it's got to be different somehow. It's got to have a different twist or different different kind of um, underlying motive even. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, um, yeah, I I want to take it coast to coast. That'd be great. Um, and blend artists from different provinces and do ten weeks in ten provinces, uh, ten sessions, and I mean, heck, if we could find the funding to go up north too and do like 13 sessions that would be that would be amazing pretty incredible and yeah so yeah just trying to I'm, I'm letting the cat out of the bag here a little bit but <laughs> that's all right um maybe you know the folks in cbc at cbc in vancouver will say gosh darn it that's an awesome idea and yeah. we should come on board um I hope that uh, that everyone listening picks up the disc and that people do come on board and then offer up their studios, et cetera, because I think uh, it's just if more musical uh, collaborations like this can come out, all the better for mm -hmm. Canadian talent across Canada and for I, you as well. Well, I have a lot of fun doing it. That's really um, cool. It, it's been great. Yeah, and I think that, uh, I don't know, I feel like in this, in this day and age, I feel like with the state of the music industry and so much flux right now, um, it feels like in the indie scene, we get a lot of bands that come out and for one record and are huge and are everywhere and then disappear. Um, or we get, you know, mainstream acts to shove down our throats. Or, you know, and it's, it's hard to feel, I don't know, I, I'm finding it, it hard to feel connected to an artist's career arc like I used to. I found that I used to follow an artist for three, four albums and really, uh, you know, kind of be with them for a while. Absolutely. And I find that I, I don't do that as much anymore. And I, my friends don't seem to be doing that as much anymore or with fewer artists. And so mm -hmm. maybe it's just that I'm getting a bit older and more selective. I don't know. But I feel like, you know, I, I, it I wanted to try something that would get me excited more excited about the creative process again and, and sharing that with people and opening that door for people. Absolutely. I, I, I do agree with you. It seems, I wonder slightly whether it's the turnover, just we get barraged with so much stuff on commercial radio is ridiculous. Yeah. And then... But it's a little bit ridiculous in the indie world right now, I, too. You know? I agree. I mean, even at the station, there's, there's certain discs that get played all the time and then other discs that show up and may not even make it on the air, which are 
entirely worthwhile. So yeah. I do I, I do think that this is a really I, I'm I appreciate having my eyes open to so many different artists mm -hmm. through this disc and it makes me want to go out and see what they're all about if I hadn't heard them before. Cool. Perhaps uh, that that's breaking new ground for some people to uh, open their eyes to more of what is creative and talented and happening in Canada. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for spending a little time on the phone with me. And thank you for having me. No problem. And do keep me informed, like, if, if there is any way that we can help get the project off the ground or if there's any news regarding, I don't know, maybe... Uh, um, a concert, a live concert yep. with some of the people? That would be awesome. Cool. So let us know. Will do. And, awesome. you know, perhaps via the Rankin connection, our paths may cross at some point. Perhaps. <laughs> and I look forward to that if it does, in fact, happen. Awesome. And that was my interview with Mike Petkow, who put together the fantastic Record of the Week disc. It's available at most fine record stores. And I'm going to leave you with the track Come Forth today. Thank you so much for listening to The Arts Report as usual. If you want to call in and get that last pair of tickets to the Saturday Vancouver Folk Festival, you can call in now. It's 822-2487. This is Tracy Fuller signing off. Have a great week. So